the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A while back, I stumbled upon an article online that had something along, that some, uh, the title, something along the lines of impossible coincidences that really happened. As the name of the article suggests, it was filled with pretty amazing events that supposedly actually really happened. In one of the stories, a woman bought two lottery tickets at the same time, one from Massachusetts and the other from Rhode Island. Each ticket had different numbers. As it turned out, the woman picked the correct numbers for both states' lotteries. It's amazing. However, the twist is she played the winning numbers for each state's lottery on the other <laughs> state's ticket. Brutal, brutal. Uh, I feel like she deserves some sort of consolation prize or something. There's another story that was just really weird and fun and I, unbelievable, uh, but it goes like this. There was, a, there was a set of twins separated at birth. Each was adopted uh, by a different set of parents. Each family who adopted their new little baby named that baby James. They called him Jim for short, both of them. Jim Lewis, Jim Springer. Okay, now that's a pretty weird coincidence, right? But it gets weirder. In time, by the time that these two men were reunited when they were both 39 years old, each of them had been married twice. Each Jim had first married a woman named Linda. Both of them. And then each proceeded to marry a woman named Betty. Both of them. Both Jims had a son, each of them. Both named their sons James Allen. The only difference is that one spelled Allen A-L-A-N and the other spelled Allen A-L-L-E-N. Now I just want to say, these men did not know each other at the time. This is all pure coincidence, still. Both Jims had childhood dogs. Both dogs were named Toy. Both Jims became a, sh a sheriff's deputy when they grew up, both of them. They drank the same brand of beer. They each smoked the same brand of cigarettes. They even drove the same model of Chevy. They were living parallel lives apart from each other. It's impossible, really bizarre, and frankly kind of creepy. But impossible things happen every day. There was a time when folks thought it would be impossible for human beings to go above 30 miles per hour. There was a time where we thought that human beings it would be incapable of us to fly. Impossible for us to go to space or to land on the moon. 
I could have never imagined when I was a kid that I would have my entire music collection in my hip pocket. My entire photo album, too. And have access to all of the world's information at a fingertip. I mean, I could even make a movie on my phone, right? That was unimaginable when I was a kid. And it's entirely feasible that in the very near future, we will invent cloaking devices that, that will be able to make people and objects invisible. I've even heard of the possibility of the teleportation of information by taking advantage of quantum entanglements. Impossible things happen all the time. In my lifetime, things both good and ill that I never thought possible have taken place. On the world stage, nations have risen and fallen. Old ideologies thought long dead have come back to life, some of them in zombie form. <laughs> Hi, thank you. Uh, I've seen illness inexplicably cured. I've seen old hatreds laid aside. I've seen battles for justice won. All that seemed impossible, and yet became possible. This morning, the prophet Isaiah invites us to contemplate the impossible. In this time where our, our politics has become so profoundly broken and self-interested and corrupt, Isaiah asks us to imagine a righteous and just king. In a time where, where old conflicts flare and new battles are fought, where wars seem inevitable and, and tens of thousands die of gun violence in our own country every year, we're asked to imagine deep and abiding and foundational peace. I cannot blame you if you hear Isaiah's words from this morning and you thought to yourself that his vision was too far-fetched, too impossible. I mean, sure, impossible things happen every day, but Isaiah asks us to imagine a king who allows the Spirit of God to guide him. This king will give himself to wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and the fear of God. Indeed, this fear, this awe of God and God's ways of justice and peace will be this king's delight and joy. And these traits will make this king just and righteous with a deep and abiding concern for the poor and the needy. It seems impossible. This king will slay the wicked and the unjust, but, but not with physical violence, but through the, the nonviolent action of speech and bearing witness to the truth. We're told he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Through the strength and communication of his vision, he shall defeat perpetrators of injustice. It seems unthinkable to imagine that we would ever have such a leader. And if this 
leader seems unimaginable. Then get a load of what Isaiah says next, right? It seems downright irrational and ludicrous and absurd. The wolf living with the sheep and the leopard laying down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling feeding together while a child leads them. Isaiah tells us that cows and bears will graze together while their young intermingle. Lions will graze like oxen. Babies will play over, over a snake's hole, and toddlers will reach into the serpent's den. Isaiah hears God declare, they will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This vision, it goes way beyond implausibility. It's not just preposterous. It is inconceivable. That's not how any of these things work. But Isaiah was no fool. He had just as much of a sense of the behavior and the biology of these animals as we do, maybe better. He knew how egomaniacal kings and leaders could be. And just like us, he could not see how any of this could or would work, how these animals could possibly coexist. And yet, Isaiah shares God's vision nonetheless. And Isaiah feels compelled to invite us to imagine the impossible. The peace that we see here pictured is a peace that goes all the way down, doesn't it? Isaiah imagines a reality where fundamental enmity will be no more. He imagines a new creation where violence and cruelty and injustice will end, and there will be no more destruction or pain. Isaiah envisions a a fundamental healing of creation where life in communion with God can flourish. John the Baptist and Jesus each called this reality the kingdom of heaven or the reign of God. Both John and Jesus proclaimed this coming reality. We heard John declare this morning, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Or we might say it this way, turn away from your current way of looking at reality. Turn away from the violence and the cruelty and conform yourself to God's vision. For indeed, God's vision is even now breaking out and breaking in all around you. God's kingdom of peace is drawing near. Isaiah, John the Baptist, Jesus, they all invite us to place our trust in God's emerging reign, in God's new creation. This peaceable kingdom 
where Christ reigns as prince of peace, where wolf and sheep, child and serpent coexist and co-flourish. This is the vision that is meant to ground us and enliven us and bid us to truly live. Isaiah invites us to see a seemingly unattainable reality and then to be so captured by that hope that we allow that peaceable kingdom to inform our choices and our actions. What might the world look like if we allowed ourselves to be captured by Isaiah's impossible vision? What might the world look like if more and more people, more and more nations, allowed themselves to dream God's dream? I know. I know. It's impossible. But all things are possible with God. And indeed, impossible things happen every day. Amen.